0: As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: It's been a hard week for me. I haven't won a single award since Friday. Hello everybody, this is the Ruck Podcast from the Times and the Sunday Times, our weekly look at all the rugby events from all different perspectives. We'd love it if you uh, rated us and subscribed to us. Thanks for joining us today. A magnificent weekend on the pitch uh, in the Six Nations. Not only that, but uh, Georgia played in front of 55,000 people in Tbilisi. England won a fantastic sevens tournament in Vancouver, so it was very far from just being uh, um, Eurocentric. In our Dublin studios is Peter O'Reilly, our rugby uh, man in Ireland. Uh, Formerly, Peter was a cricketer of renown and an international, and where he could indulge his uh, passion for singing that great uh, hymn, Ireland's Call. But his fame... (laughs) Is now dwarfed by that of Lucy's daughter, who's in the Irish cricket team at the age of what, Pete?
2: Well, she's uh, seventeen now, Steve, but uh, she uh, she was capped at, at thirteen, so um, she's my claim to fame. All right, yeah.
1: Okay, fantastic. Okay, she's slightly surpassed you, but you never know; you could always make a comeback. Uh, also with us is Owen Slot. Owen's very effusive uh, this this morning about England in the in 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 the Times. Uh, Owen's rugby correspondent of the Times and I'll tell you what we'll do and uh, now we've introduced you, is to ask you for your favourite memory of the weekend. Then we'll go back to ask Peter for his.
3: Yeah, I was effusive about uh, England for sure. I was pretty dour about them on Saturday morning and I had to, uh, had to change my tune a lot by Saturday evening. Uh, th- though my, my highlight was not from that game actually, but from the, uh, from the Wales-Ireland game. And uh, I, I just loved it when George North scored that try and when you see a player that you know has got so much talent Uh, but hasn't been able to put it out there we just saw a glimpse of him whether it's the the complete package or not I don't know but it was it was old George it was he was he was sharp and it was a lot there's a lot of power involved in going through a couple of players to score and uh, just a very bright moment for that for me, that one.
1: Peter, we'll just uh, ask you for a, a, a quick uh, best memory or uh, most vivid memory of the weekend.
2: Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, Owen has just stolen my thunder there because I, I was sitting in the back row of the press box.
1: Well, why don't you talk
2: the about your
3: kids again instead? We haven't heard about them for ages.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell my story there, Owen. Uh, I was sitting behind Steve in the back row of the, uh, the press box at the Principality, which meant that I was... Right up against some of the Welsh fans, in particular two guys who 've obviously been on the beer since around lunchtime, and that moment was the moment when 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 George North went down the right wing and the stadium erupted that, that was the moment they they chose to, to give me a big hug, a big beery hug um, so i 'm still recovering from that actually still <laughs> in, in trauma but um, yeah that was that was a match turning moment uh, and uh, the way that that george actually transformed the atmosphere in the stadium was i suppose as an irishman unfortunately a, a very vivid memory anyway
1: they were a pain in the ass those blokes as well honestly they were now and again i think just shut the bar right also our third guest and the reason why we're all sitting here wearing suits and ties because we're <laughs> in the uh, presence of rugby royalty uh, michael liner uh, 72 caps grand slam and rugby world cup winner A stratospheric business career. uh, Now, managing director of for Dow Jones in Europe. That's the company founded by my great grandfather Dow uh, (laughs) decades ago. Uh, Michael's come all the way down to us today from the 14th floor. Uh, As most people know now, if you're up with rugby, um, has produced a book called Blindside. Did which was just a fantastic book uh, about his courageous battle back from uh, a, a stroke uh, back to uh, f- some form of normality. Many rugby books bring the tears to your eyes, but that one does uh, for for all the right reasons. And it's brilliant uh, to have Michael here. It's very difficult because we always make fun of our guests, but we couldn't find anything that Michael <laughs> did. But we put an insight team onto his past. Ooh. And... Uh, <laughs> Very happy to say we have dug up some dirt. When he was at Queensland University, he was seen eating a toffee and he threw the wrapper onto the floor, not into the bin. Michael, you're really welcome. Can you just give us a quick memory of the weekend?
4: Okay. I'll try and recover from all that. Thanks, Steve. That was, um, my abiding memory of the weekend had nothing to do with rugby, I might add, because my 17-year-old son had a 100 of his... Friends, close friends, over for a party on Saturday night at our place, so my whole weekend, I was preoccupied with that beforehand, and um, afterwards, I spent a whole day Sunday cleaning up after them all so um, but on the rugby I, I thought it was a fascinating weekend of rugby um I always thought England had a, a big performance in them um they've been winning but haven't been playing well against uh, in their previous games in their six nations and I just felt with Scotland coming down that they had a performance that they were going to put it together and they did. And some of those tries that were scored on the weekend from first phase, I just thought were outstanding. Precision, there was a lot of power up front to, to give the backs the space. And that's the way rugby, you know, should be played, textbook sort of stuff. And England put it on the field against, you know, what was a, reposed th- threat from scotland and right from the word go um some great playmaking and some great strength up front i just thought it was a wonderful all-round performance and having said that the night before that you've all mentioned um Ireland and uh wales i thought it was a great game for different reasons but a great contest um and a great both in great stadiums a lot of noise it was it was good stuff good rugby weekend Pete, uh- when you mm-hmm. got back to Dublin, I mean, obviously,
1: uh, not that long ago, you were thinking you beat the All Blacks. Uh, sorry, Ireland beat the All Blacks. Possibility of a championship grand slam. Now, suddenly, when you headed back, you were only two for two, which is not what anybody expected. I mean, was it? Uh, do you sense a, a sense of gloom over there now?
2: Yeah, well, it was interesting this morning. I was listening to the the RTE Sports Report um, Monday morning after uh, or before, you know, leading into a game against England. On St Patrick's weekend, uh, not a mention of the of the rugby, um, um, which says something about the the way that the rugby team sort of fallen off the the cliff in terms of mm. the general sporting consciousness. Uh, on the cover of the Irish edition of the Sunday Times yesterday, there was actually a photograph from Cardiff Arms Park, uh, the Irish women uh, <laughs> celebrating <laughs> after having beaten Wales, and uh, the head the strap was "Irish Women Show the Men How It's Done." <clears throat> yeah, so. Obviously, we've fallen, Ireland have kind of fallen from a height because everybody's expectations went through the roof after Chicago. Um, and I suppose what happens in, in those situations is um, everybody analyses you a little bit more. And uh, it's very hard for someone like Joe Schmidt to, to keep his team moving in terms of tact- tactics and strategy and keeping ahead of the, the video analysts between November and the Six Nations, because really they only see each other a week before the start of the tournament. And the feeling here is that is that Ireland have become a little bit predictable. Um, Eddie O'Sullivan, former Ireland coach, actually has been quite pointed in his criticism that he said in the second half at Cardiff that Ireland had 60% of territory and possession, and they, they only put three points together on the board. Okay. Um, there, is a, there is a bit of doom and gloom. Let's, let's
1: just come back to, to Saturday in a second. Owen, um, you were relaxing watching that game uh, building up for saturday what did you think of uh, uh, what what do you think the welsh improvement for a start because one or two people who've been really poor not only george north but others suddenly came through How did, why did wales win it
3: i think think the, the thing with wales when we saw it against england it, it is uh, when they're really getting hit hard in the media and when the, the, the fear and the panic factor is really out there, that's when it seems to be that they deliver. They also seem to deliver at home. Albeit they lost that England game, but that was uh, with the Ireland game, mm-hmm. their, their best performance of the, uh, of the championship. Uh, I think also uh, they have Reese Webb, who uh, is the, the heartbeat of the team now, and he's, I feel he's just got better game by game.
1: Michael, yeah. you were lining up the Jaeger bombs at the time, but <laughs> what, um, what did you think of the, What the game very much different in style to what we saw yeah. on Saturday
4: yeah, the physicality it was it was amazing and I just sort of uh, you look at the the two teams and what happened on the weekend i 'd just like to point out that the, the back row, the battle of the back row, I thought was quite fascinating, and you, know, you had Ireland who had this big physical. Back row, and you had Wales who had, you know, two really sort of probably sevens playing in the in in on the flanks, and then um, Ross Moriarty at eight, and I just felt that it was a very very good performance by the Welsh three. Um, you know, I, I, Moriarty is somebody that I think is very underrated. I just really against England he was outstanding mm. in his physical way, and I think that allows Tiprick and Warburton to play their role very well, and they just combine very very well around the field. Um, but very, very physical. i i I, I was uh, I was sitting there going, wow, that's 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 a pretty tough match. George North, I agree with you coming back. Um, to some form, he's a big match sort of performer, yeah. though, isn't he? It was
3: relentless that game as well, though, oh, wasn't yeah. it? I haven't seen the ball in uh, ball in play <coughs> figure, but yeah. um, but it just seemed there were phases that went on and on. It was a game yeah.
1: that never seemed to stop. Pete Let me, let me hmm. put two areas to you. Um, one um, midfield: um, Sexton, uh, Henshaw, Ringrose, very highly rated, and and. Um, I didn't think that functioned as, as an attacking unit and secondly back row Michael's mentioned the big back row but are O'Brien and Stander a little bit too um like each other in 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 style and do you lack a balance there
2: Yeah well if you start with the back row you've got we Ireland have sort of have used three carriers and uh Sean O'Brien does offer um some some strength over the ball but he's not your your typical fetcher all right so I think we we will there's a good chance that we'll see a change in the Ireland back row this weekend there's a lot of talk about Peter O'Mahony coming back in for the option that he what he offers at the lineout you know seeing how effective the the England lineout was against Scotland in particular so he he might help to disrupt that um but yeah it was it was definitely a case of the, we- the Welsh back row outplaying the Irish back row, which is something we've seen before. We saw it in Cardiff two years ago, and most memorably we saw it in Wellington at the, the 2011 World Cup. So that's a sore point over here. As for midfield, um, I, thought, I thought Shane Hogan actually made a very good point in his column, um, that, and that is that Ireland relies so heavily on their halfbacks, but particularly Sexton is, is the only playmaker. Mm. Um, you know, Years ago, uh, 10 years ago, say, it would have been Stringer to O'Gara, missed pass... To Driscoll, That was a very, it was kind sort of the starting point for all Ireland attacks. But now everything goes through Johnny unless somebody's trucking it up. Sure. So that's one thing that Ireland lack, maybe, is a second playmaker. Peter,
1: let me just ask you this um before we move on to the next game. And everyone thought this this could be a, a Grand Slam decider and massive devil on both sides. How does it affect the psychological makeup now that Ireland are not going for the for the Grand Slam? Will they be as tenacious uh, or the championship? Will they be as tenacious as they would have been if now all they're doing is stopping England? Do you still think they'll be at a peak?
2: Um. Well, by the time the game comes around, uh, there will be a peak of intensity. Certainly, uh, it's a bit, uh, bit of a letdown that this is a game that reminds me of two thousand and one, when you know beating England in any circumstance was made for a good season for Ireland. They obviously had much different uh, ambitions coming into this season, but there's still a lot, of a lot, lot to play for. Um, Lions places. Um, but also, if if Ireland were to finish in the bottom half of the Six Nations, which is very possible if they lose to England, and probable actually if they lose to England, that that looks terrible, really, because that hasn't happened under under Joe Schmidt. He's always been in the top half. Okay. Um, and just just to, to be talking about trying to finish in the top half seems like a real uh, an underachievement of the season.
4: Oh, just one of the other things that I think Ireland struggled with a bit on Friday was with the line out. They they seem to they Pardon? lost some of their own ball there. As, mm-hmm. you mentioned. Um, Marnie coming back in. Um, but that's going to be a problem against England, the line-out, isn't it?
2: It is, certainly. Um, you know, you you lose Paul O'Connell and uh, you're you're losing somebody who, who runs the whole show and, and is brilliant at picking apart the opposition and coming up with strategies to to, counter-attack the, to counteract them. Um, now, I think Devin Toner and Donika and, and Ryan both are, are good at reading what's going on in the line but um, Rory Best was left in a situation where his options were, were cut down against Wales and he got picked off. I mean, if you remember, Luke Charters as we came off the bench and, mm. and, uh, and won a line out. <clears throat> so they need Peter Romani, I think to to give them to give Rory another option but even with that they're going to be up at, up against us right. against the England lineout who have, but, they obviously have the extra inches and the extra numbers
1: but it, it's still going to be a fantastic weekend don't forget that um as Peter mentioned it's Ireland England a women's team for a grand slam and also <laughs> also the under 20s England the under 20s going for the slam as well oh in the key thing for reporters and anyone talking about England Scotland was were England brilliant or was Scotland terrible I went with uh, England was so good and so joyous I could not take anything away from them because Scotland weren't so great, how about you?
3: For me, that England made Scotland look so bad, England forced them into the, into those areas that I mean, Scotland was so rattled so quickly uh, I, I felt that England completely destroyed the confidence of Finn Russell I mean people say he's he's, he's often a mixed bag, but I don't think he was a mixed bag I think he, he, was a, he was a rotten bag It's so unlucky with, with their Injury uh, factor. They, they lost a lot of players. They had a scrum half playing on the wing from what, so it, 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 at the end of the first half. I mean, that's no way to to, to play England playing, and that was unfortunate. But um, it was it was England that did that that made them play badly.
4: Yeah, it was a three P's for me at, at England. When you look at it, there was pace and precision, but there was also this big power up mm. front that just sort of and it was played all those combined so well. Um, and I think you could see that England were trying to play like that against in the previous games in this in this Six Nations, but the timing wasn't quite there, or there wasn't one part, or it's just missing, just a f- just a fraction off. But against Scotland, it all came together beautifully, and yeah, in Scotland, you know, because of the power. You know, they suffered physically and because of the pace and the precision of, you know, nine, 10 and 12 in particular and, you know, you Joseph outside you and then Watson and, you know, it was just all combined so well. There's no real uh, weakness there really when it, it's played like that.
1: Was there any any comparisons between you and Ella when you you were switched to sideways and suddenly uh, you got a footballer there? Yeah, I mean, it, it's
4: – you've got you, – I've always sort of thought thought that Ford and Farrell, that's how they played when they were underage together. And they're both good footballers. They know what they're doing. They they play well together. They both can kick. They both got distribution skills. And so when you've got guys that are running the back line like that, and then you've got to have the power around them with the pace and guys that are willing to run those correct lines, I, I look back other than going back to me and Ella and those sort of times, because I can't remember that far back. But <laughs> Gregan and Larkham for Australia and for the Brumbies, when they first came onto the scene, they were lovely ball players and lovely distributions. But around them they had sort of um, Finnegan, a big, sec- big, powerful number eight. They had Roth. They had Mortlock. They had all these runners that were, would get into space and, and just run towards that space. And those two guys would then put the ball into those positions. And that's what I see Ford and Farrell doing the same.
3: Just on the Ford-Farrell thing, we haven't sort of got onto lines yet, but if you have a blank sheet of paper, I think many of us would have Sexton down as our Mm. 10. We wouldn't have George down as our 10. He's not consistent enough. But if you put George and and Owen together, they bring so much. They spent so much much time together. So does George George Ford suddenly trump Johnny Sexton because he's
4: worked on that, because they come as as such a good unit? For me, yes. Um, uh, And and the the main reason um, is that... um, that Johnny hasn't stayed on the pitch long enough, I don't think, in this Six Nations too, mm-hmm. whereas George yeah. has, you know. And, you know, you look at the physical size of George, and Scotland targeted him on the weekend as well. They all do. I mean, show me a fly half in world rugby ever that the opposition hasn't targeted, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. it, it happens. and And this is why Johnny Sexton goes off because he's targeted and he, unfortunately,
0: iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
5: Nice dress. Uh, It's a, it's a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment... You can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com.
5: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
4: He's just had this run of knocks and injuries, etc., and the All Blacks are going to be no different. They will target him very strongly. And for me, the form fly half of the Six Nations, if you're picking the line solely on the Six Nations, forwards. The one, I Pete. Mean, has Pete to be. Um,
1: from your position behind the sofa, watching uh, England Scotland. For incidentally, first of all, you're talking about remaining problems. England's fullback Mike Brown carried the ball 15 times and did not pass the ball once, which I think is an extraordinary, um, extraordinary uh, statistic. Pete, uh, you know John Johnny Sexton ever so well. Is he is he is he less battered than he looks by all this attention that that he's getting? Can he stand up to uh, Saturday and, and then a line to her.
2: Well, in his mind, he can, of course. Yeah, he mm. he, he does. He's he's aware um, of the fact that he's he hasn't spent as much time on the on the pitch as he would like, and he's he's also aware of the fact that every time he does get a knock, that it seems to get a lot of reporting. He feels so almost there's a cumulative effect of the number of knocks and the number of reports <laughs> that it creates that perception. He's a good defender. He leads the Ireland defence, as you saw mm. against Wales. He picked off a couple of intercepts. So, I mean, he's desperate to go on, on that tour, though, and he, he, because he knows what it is to win a, a Lions Test Series, I think, is it just uh, he a feels big, he's got a lot to offer.
4: He's just a really competitive guy. I mean, Wilkinson was in the same, you know, he couldn't sure. help himself, and that's yeah. a great thing. Um, and, yeah, I think he will go, I, and he's a great player. Um, it's just on the evidence of the Six Nations. Um, the evidence is there that forwards sort of played every game, all the minutes, and played very well. The
3: problem for but the Lions is if, if you if you build a team around Johnny Sexton, which they, they may well maybe, do, yeah. wh- what happens if you, if you spend three weeks working on it and then suddenly he's not there? Then y- yeah. you, You've got to start from scratch again. The Lions, you can't really afford to do that.
1: Let's just talk about uh, English rugby for the moment. Owen, is this one of the heights of English rugby that you can remember?
3: Yeah, it's an extraordinary weekend to, that for all these things to come together, as you said, Steve, uh, um, as as I've written so eruditely in the Times this morning. Um, <laughs> I looked p- at the picture. Sorry, <laughs> yes, you have, yeah, sorry. <laughs>
1: bit,
4: sorry, I dozed off a little bit. A bit it. slow yeah, no. with the applause there, boys. Yeah, no, no, well done. <laughs>
3: People have been saying for a very, very long time that when that because of england 's numbers and because of england 's funding uh, when the RFU gets its act together, then England will be very hard to stop and i just I just think that that, that slowly over sort of twenty odd years of professionalism, the system has been refined, and now it is working you see that 's why the under twenties have won three Mm. out of the last four under 20s world cups because it's working because there's so many decent players they know how to pick them they spot
1: them and they refine them and they do a really good job Mm. and that's why it's working across the board mike uh, you're as as much a student now of english rugby as any rugby anywhere is this a peak
4: since you've lived in england yeah i think so but i agree with Owen. you know the under 20s is a very good um benchmark to see how um, and, th- th- you know, they've won the last three World Cups. So England pl- performing well now, a lot of those guys were involved in that and they've been um, fine-tuned and um, brought on very well by the clubs and by the, the, the Eddie Jones and the system and all that sort of thing. Um, but that talent was at under-20 stage at one level and they win those World Cups. And, you know, I think we're seeing the result of that. Um, it just hasn't happened since December um, that England are playing well. Um, it's because they've been brought through and that that's we're seeing the results of that now
1: michael australian
4: rugby um Mm. we all we all love it we all love
1: going down there we admire its toughness the you know you've won world cups um and uh but but at the moment it just seems a bit of a dither i mean people Mm. say god it's so people don't realize how much little money there is now you've got this super rugby debate where Places where they've gone and done their best to found teams now appear
4: to be at, be at risk. Is it is it as bad as it seems? Yes, yeah, it is. Um, there's not a lot of money. Um, the Australian Rugby Union don't have you know huge resources and haven't for some time. And and the the product itself, uh, you talked about the Super Rugby tournament. The product itself is really suffering, and they expanded. Um, last year into 18 teams and it just hasn't worked um crowd numbers and it's just just not in australia that it hasn't worked it hasn't worked um mm-hmm. as as a as a tournament and the SANZAR are people that's uh south african australia and new, new zealand uh and argentina now uh people were up here last week um uh, debating on how they're going to arrange the tournament next year. The prob- They've got a, a myriad of problems. One is they all have to agree with it. So that's a start that's a bit of an issue. Um, and there's talk about reducing the number of teams in South Africa and Australia to bring it back to a Super 14, 15 sort of format, which was really successful. Great rugby. And it was a, it was a home and away. Um, Then a semi and a final And all done before the tours went down there Now they break for the tours For a month and then come back and play three more weeks Which is just a, a nonsense really The other big issue in all this is that The the Broadcasters, which are always a big issue in sport, um, whether it's rugby or not, but um, they signed an agreement for five years to broadcast this tournament or the Sanzar product. And so any decision that's taken by Sanzar has to be ratified by the broadcaster and agreed to. So there's a whole lot of things to do. And there's talk about getting rid of um, one uh, or two Australian teams. And that to me has been, it will be between. Uh, The the talk is between the Western Force, the Melbourne Rebels, or surprisingly the Brumbies, who are one of the foundation members. And the reason why, I don't think it'll be the Rebels, because they're privately owned and so funded by somebody else. The other two are funded by the Australian Rugby Union. The Western Force, Force, the Perth team... Given their time zone and the fact that it's on the way to South Africa, may be the one that survives, which leaves the Brumbies. For me, rugby clubs are living and breathing entities, and Western
1: Force will have this fantastic pioneer spirit. Mm. The, the Brumbies were the first great team in super mm. in Super Rugby. Mm.
4: But there's a there's a there's a bigger issue here, and you know one that can be solved by rather than doing a uh, rugby sort of based on a north and south. Hemisphere basis and that doesn't work for me. It should be more based on time zone So you have South Africa playing in Europe. You'd have Australia New Zealand and Asia playing together Then you have the Americas playing together and that and that would help a global season (laughs)
1: We're going to move on now just to do what we normally do at the end, and that is that one of us has uh, has got a team of the weekend. In this case, it's it's Owen. Owen's going to give us now, one by one, his team of the weekend, and we're going to finish off by the rest of us ripping it to shreds.
3: Okay, i start on my back three. Uh, I didn't think there were any really outstanding uh, fullbacks, um, uh, but um, I've got Rob Carney as, as my 15, very very good in, in defence under the high ball. I have uh, the, the resurgent George North, even though he wasn't good under the high ball, actually, Ireland targeted him. Uh, and on my other wing, I... Um, uh, I, I was uh, in between that, Anthony Watson and Varimi Vakatawa, the Frenchman, but uh, I've gone with Vacatara in the moment just because there's not enough French in my team.
1: Uh, well, I, I can leap in there for the fullbacks. Uh, Lee Halfpenny um, did some nice things, but he's still, for me, I mean, he's now a little bit dodgy under the high ball, which he never was. Rob Conley's been my Lions' test fullback for the last year, remains so. He's, he's a big bugger, can stay on his feet, and he's... His attacking play,
4: I think, is very underrated. I think of 15, Stuart Hogg did his chances no harm by going (laughs) off early in the game against England. Um, um, No, I like him. He's a big physical presence. He's very good under the high ball. Um, Do New Zealand kick the high ball? Yes, they do. So he's he's strong. Yeah, he's probably the player. Lee Halfpenny, just such a safe player, but he doesn't. I don't think he sort of provides that extra little bit you want from a fullback where, you know, he's where you think as a kicker, I better not kick it to to him because he's going to run back at us and and create problems. And Halfpenny doesn't do that for me. Pete, uh, back three.
2: Back three, well, George storms in, obviously. I. Actually, I'm not so sure about Carney. I think uh, Rob Carney might be in danger of losing his place this weekend. Um, I think he was great under. He is great under the high ball. I think he's defensively suspect and is limited as an attacking player rather than underrated. Uh, it's all off his left foot, um, and he, he doesn't really threaten sides on the counter at all. So, um, but apart I, from I, that, I, yeah. But uh, I, I suppose Vakatawa as a French representative. Liam Williams was quiet on the on the left wing on Friday, but he did actually look threatening every time he, he got the ball. And I think that he's just a player that everybody wants to. I think he he offers so much. Okay. So I, I had him at, at eleven um, and North at, at, at fourteen, and then mm. okay. fifteen was a it's a toss up.
1: Right. Well, we don't want toss-ups. We want attacks on Slotty. <laughs> slot- right. We're we okay. going we have to just whiz through because we do a little bit yeah. short time. But go on, Owen. centers. Well, I'm, I'm going to go
3: um, from, from 10 through to 13 because I just think you, you pick yeah. the, the, the England midfield um, mm. from George Ford through Farrell and Jonathan Joseph all together. That that was the the, the standout sort of combination of the weekend, uh, Welsh back row, um, uh, arguably. But uh, but those
4: three, I think you go for those three together um Agreed. I couldn't argue with that. I mean, mm. the way they manufactured the tries there for for Joseph and him going through was it was lovely to watch. Pete, Peter.
2: Well, yeah. If you I suppose if you're picking combinations, so that's not really the idea behind the team weekend. I, I'm afraid I am biased when it comes to. You can't the, disagree the with the rules, Pete. How long has
1: he been around uh, once? Now he's changing the rules. What's happening?
2: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, I, I just, I, I, I just think. Um, I think George Ford. Yeah, absolutely. a great combo and all that. But I just thought I thought it is incredible that that Sexton was so influential in that way. He scored f- fifteen points in his absence, and mm-hmm. uh, and Ireland looked so different a team when he was on the pitch, both defensively and in attack. So i have got with when, him. Just uh, to disagree, Ireland,
4: Ireland didn't score that many points when he was on the field, did they?
2: Well, they didn't score any very many points generally. But they, I thought <laughs> they 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 went they went through. Went through a phase of I don't know how about twenty six phases where he was pulling the strings and yeah, they just looked a different team and and as I say as it actually as a defensive ten he, he made a huge difference as well yeah. so whereas I think George George definitely is vulnerable um, as a ten as a defensive ten
1: I tell you who's not vulnerable and will go on the lines tour because I've been on forty seven lines tours. Dan Bigger, I will be, bet anyone in this room, or in our Irish studios, or our oh. producer that Dan Bigger will go on the lines. This tour. is
3: Steve's Next, love of see. the season, right? We'll oh, go really? on to on to uh, Dan Bigger's inside man. The, my my, uh, my nine for the weekend. I, I thought standout was Reese
2: Webb.
3: Yeah, uh, Michael.
4: Yeah, I thought he was good. I was surprised the size of Reese Webb. He's he's a bit bigger than what you think, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, he was he was very good, very slick. Um, yes. Yeah, I thought it was good. Fine,
2: very good, very slick. But also, just he was able to at one stage he looked up and uh, with a, there was a penalty coming, there was an advantage being played, and he saw Liam Williams free, and he was able to put it onto his foot and hit him mm. with a cross kick. So he has he has everything. He has gas, good pass, and, and good football awareness.
1: Does he know he's supposed to play to a pen? Well, what, what are the people doing? Making their own minds up, right. <laughs> Owen, <laughs> right? Front row, um, uh, Lou
3: said, Joe Marler, um, best game I've seen from him um, mm. possibly ever for England. Uh, Hooker was um, was a toss up. Uh, I- Dylan Hartley's been criticised a lot uh, by me in particular in the Six Nations. Uh, he, um, he had a much better game. He put in 15 tackles. Didn't miss any this time. Um, one turnover. a toss-up between him and Ken Owens, in my view. But I've given that to, uh, to Dylan Hartley. And I've got the
1: Frenchman Slimani as my tight head. I, well, I, I, I love this Irish front row, but they were surprisingly not in their element on on friday i, d- I thought they'd do much better because i don't rate the Welsh front row but uh, surprised they didn't i'd still have furlong i think on the
4: tight head in my team of the week my- michael yeah uh, hartley was an interesting one um you've got to remember he hasn't played much over the last four or five months really he's only played the internationals so you know the break he had before the five nations come six nations coming in um so he- he sort of played himself into a bit of form and I thought he was very strong on the weekend. But he, he was, it's like, you know, he's surrounded by a very good forward pack. But he, he played well. Um, Owens, I thought, was, was very strong also. Okay. But, yeah, but I was disappointed with Rory Best. I don't think he had his best game.
2: No. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think it was one of those games where, where Ty Furlong actually realised that he's still got a hell of a lot to learn. He's only 24, um, I think, from, from what I understand. Ken Owens and the boys uh, came up with a few tricks that he hadn't seen before, and that that was part of the reason behind the the scrum, the Ireland scrum being less effective than we expected. Uh, Marler's haircut, they just get his haircuts get worse, but he he was very effective. He also, they really right? well. um, Yeah, uh, so I would go Marler Owens and uh, and probably Cole actually. I think Cole was effective around the pitch as well, so he's not he's not out of the running for the Lions at all either.
1: I thought the three grimmest people were those idiots who sat behind you. They could have made a front front row all on their own if they weren't so legless. But there we go. Slotty <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, okay. we'll on the back five, please. We we'll just have to whiz through these now.
3: Yeah, second row. Uh, uh, Alan Wynn gets in uh, because he had a good haircut. I didn't realise that Pete was picking his players that way. were not mm. we? Um, uh, mm. And Courtney Laws, who um, maybe had his best game for England, I've seen as well. Mm.
1: Michael, second row. That.
4: Yeah, I find it hard. I mean. Alan wynne James, I I think that was his best um, game, this Six Nations. Um, Laws, I thought, was outstanding. I thought he was wonderful. I also thought Launchbury was very good also. I mean... He's a toss-up between Alan Will Jones and Lonsbury. but Laws, definitely—I I thought he was outstanding. Sort
3: of well, almost got to ask now if those the two Gray brothers actually get on the plane to
1: Australia. Mm. Sorry, they were very, very disappointing. Mm. People, I read an article the other day which said that Johnny Gray is a great guy, and he's unassuming. I don't want my locks to be unassuming. Thank you. I'll—I'll uh, I'll, <laughs> have—I'd have the two Englishmen. I'd also uh, want to know why Rob Howley's not starting Luke Chartres, who's a fantastic player. Mm.
2: Peter Locks. Uh, I had launchbury and laws written down here. To be honest, I, I, I had there was a good argument for having English forwards from one to six. um because yeah. I thought uh, I know we've gone out of the front, the front row, but I thought Dylan Hartley's darts were great as well. Uh, he mm-hmm. just kept on hitting hitting uh, laws at the top of his jump at the tail, which is what part of the reason why Fair Scotland way. had so little time to react. Uh, so I'd go launchbury laws, uh, but you can uh, and then uh, obviously itosje it scrummaged that, that tight head, didn't he, on the tight head side yeah. as well. So. He did fantastic he was fantastic
3: uh, Owen back row uh, two, two Welshmen uh, as Michael's already said the Welsh back row was, uh, was a very very effective in that game so I have Sam Warburton and Justin Tipperick uh, eight I didn't think was, um, was, was that obvious uh, I, I, I toyed with Moles and Parise who were both good in that game but that was Nathan Hughes' best game uh, his uh, Nathan Hughes was part of those three tries with his dummy runs Um, timing right uh, his best carry so um,
1: Nathan Hughes at eight Uh, Guys I tell you what I need now from you just three three words each I need to know uh, even though it's putting you on the spot but you're used to that the three winners from next Saturday's games we'll start off with Owen while the rest of us get our thoughts together Tell us who's going to win next week, Owen. And are England going to beat the world record?
3: Yeah, I think England are on on a roll that won't be stopped. So I've I've England now to win in Dublin. I didn't a week ago, but I do now. Uh, I think uh, Wales will come unstuck against France. And uh, Scotland will uh, rediscover some of their... um, uh, self-belief and beat Italy.
1: I think Scotland got to beat Italy because if they don't they're right back to square one but otherwise I agree with you Michael. we um,
4: leave Peter to the last. England uh, to win in, in, in uh, Dublin and in so doing so become the record holders and it was interesting just very quickly sorry that you know they haven't played New Zealand, they haven't played the number one team in the world. Well actually funny enough neither of New Zealand when they won their <laughs> record performance as well they didn't have to play the number one team either. Peter can,
1: uh, can the Irish nation get together and? answer ireland's call
2: i think it'd be a much improved performance but i'd still tip england to win it. uh backing wales to actually win in in
4: paris wales and scotland for me too
1: it'll be tragic for the new zealand nation if they're usurped by england a lot of us will be find that difficult to bear we'll be talking all about it next week please join us then thanks for listening to the Ruck.
0: You control which apps you share your exact location with. There's
5: more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high end brands. And the best part they're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.